Did you know that Nika AATC offers self-paced online courses on a growing range of topics aimed at helping you improve health outcomes for people with HIV? These interactive courses can typically be completed in about an hour and cover multidisciplinary topics such as smoking cessation in people with HIV, geriatric assessment and integration and models of care, managing difficult behaviors in HIV care settings, and using Zoom as a virtual workspace. Self-paced online courses are offered on RISE, Nika AATC's online learning platform. Courses are designed for healthcare providers providing patient care for people with HIV, including physicians, physician assistants, nurses, pharmacists, case managers, outreach workers, and other disciplines. To explore online courses for HIV care professionals, navigate to www.nikaatc.org slash rise-courses. That's www.nikaatc.org forward slash R-I-S-E dash C-O-U-R-S-E-S or click the link in the podcast episode description. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brayman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to talk about the availability of PrEP and how possible changes to its prescription status could improve access. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. Happy to be, happy to be here again to talk about uh, PrEP again. So, John, can you first tell us a little bit about PrEP and how it's prescribed? Yeah, so so PrEP is obviously available through a physician's prescription. I think everybody knows that in the United States and really can only be filled in a pharmacy after that script is sent to the pharmacy of choice, right? So that's it's prescription, right? So that's the way you kind of you have to do it. So I want to be clear here. I want to talk a little bit about kind of perspectives on this that have been kind of out there. Um, I am kind of on the fence about advocating completely for over-the-counter use of PrEP, but I think there's just some, you know, because obviously that's not the current law, but I want to make sure... Let's well, get people to kind of think about it, think differently about maybe there'd be a way for us to, to make PrEP more accessible. Um, so while prescription status is true for many medications, there's some really good examples, I, I think, of um, where expanding availability of medications, making them over-the-counter has made, it's led to basically greater access for patients and hopefully improve outcomes. You know, I think of things like even the old H2 blockers that were used to be like drugs for like antacids and stuff that used to be prescription medications. Now they're over-the-counter. Um, another example of an OTC med that fits into this context is Plan B, which is the emergency contraceptive, contraceptive that was FDA approved in 98 um, and wasn't expanded to OTC use until roughly 2006 for women who are 18 or older. And now in 2013, it's now for women of all ages. So plan B is a good example, right? Where um, people are concerned and they can they can get plan B and you can go into a pharmacy and get it. Um, so I want to be very clear, again, not completely advocating prep for, for, for OTC use for everybody today. Um, however, there, there was a really nice perspective piece on this exact concept um, in the August 10th New England Journal. It was written by Douglas uh, Krakauer, uh, MD, and Julia Marcus, PhD. These are, they're from the BID in Harvard Medical School. So again, um, everybody's perspective is different, but I think the fact that this was a, a piece that was actually in the New England Journal, I think is really interesting for us to kind of summarize some of what they were saying and kind of provide some perspectives around it. 
So what would the advantages be if PrEP were over the counter? Well, first, I think, let's be clear, this would only be for the oral versions, right? I think everybody is kind of aware of that. I mean, obviously, the injectable, you wouldn't have that over the counter at this point, right? Obviously. But this is really would have to occur on a federal level. And there are some definite benefits that the authors discuss. So in this in this in this perspective piece, they talk about, about you know, the first thing is that people would no longer need to disclose a lot of that information about their their behaviors to clinicians. So as you know, when you go and get a prescription for PrEP, if you go in, I mean, you have to talk to the provider. They may ask you questions about your sexual history, but you know, if you could just go to the pharmacy and get it, you wouldn't have to worry about that. You wouldn't have to disclose a lot of that information. Uh, and, I th- and I think that could make a difference for people. I also, I think about adolescents, people who are younger, who may feel uncomfortable going to their provider, et cetera. Also, you know, if it was over the counter, this could potentially facilitate improved access to PrEP for all people, but also I think most importantly, populations that face stigma in the healthcare settings, all right? So think about Black and Latino men who have sex with men as an example, and other groups as well um, that we know are not receiving PrEP at the rate that they need to be. So that could improve those numbers, and and I think it would be welcome. So think about the numbers that we know about PrEP, you know, about um, the numbers have actually gone up for 2022, about about 33 to 34% of people who would benefit from PrEP or on it. But again, vast majority of those patients are, are white MSM uh, patients that, that that are on it. But think about pe- getting PrEP to younger patients. And I think this is where over-the-counter use can make a big difference, uh, in particular adolescents and young adults. They, they also have lower rates of PrEP uptake as well. And we know this from the numbers from the CDC and some of those databases. But one major barrier, I think, is concerns about an explanation of benefits as well and what shows up where. So like, you know, what about... If you go to the pharmacy and get a prescription, or if you go to the provider and you and you get you know access care, will that show up on your parents' explanation of benefits if you're under their insurance? So for students and other young adults that that are on their parents' insurance, a lot of this would be a problem. But if it was over the counter and it was priced reasonably where they could access it without having that identification being there, it could alleviate this concern. And I think really expand PrEP in, into some of these other groups in a, in, a, in a large way. So really two groups, first people who are under using PrEP, but, but second, I think it's, it's the young adults and the adolescents is really the, I think two of the, the key populations that this, that, that's, that this perspective piece kind of focuses on for increasing PrEP use. And what else could over-the-counter PrEP do? All right. So a couple other things too. Um, I, I think initiation and also adherence to prep would also be uh, would be better. Um, and I think OTC prep would facilitate these. You know, and in fact, they actually cite in their article they found that rates of continued use of oral contraception among people using over-the-counter pills are equivalent to or higher than rates among those using pills obtained with a prescription. So the point here is that if I think that the point is that if you think if you use OTC um, contraception kind of as an example, you could potentially realize that the the, the adherence rates are probably going to be similar or potentially even higher with an over-the-counter prescription. So if this was true for PrEP, right, we could see more people at risk starting PrEP and then more people staying on it over time, hopefully, you know, if this actually pans out for PrEP too. But in a similar way, having PrEP on shelves with other sexual health products like condoms, over-the-counter oral contraception, you know, um, lubrication, um, condoms, all the things that for, you know, the sexual health products, if they're all together, it can help probably normalize PrEP use and destigmatize some of the, some of the sexual behaviors. I think that, that sometimes lead to people not accessing, accessing PrEP on, on a regular basis. 
Can you talk a little bit about the medications that could be used for over-the-counter PrEP? Yeah. So like I said, oral PrEP would be the options. And, and obviously, currently we have TDF-FTC and TAF-FTC. I t- talked about this before. TDF is the older version. TAF-FTC is a newer version. TAF probably has a more favorable bone and renal profile. But again, TDF has been around for a long time too. And for most patients, they're probably... TDF-FTC is probably fine for the vast majority of people. But given the fact that TDF-FTC is substantially cheaper and it's now generic and it's approved for all populations, including uh, women engaged with, with in vaginal sex, which is which right now today, TAF-FTC does not have that indication. Um, I would think that most of the that TDF-FTC makes the most sense. And the current labeling um, and guidelines support this for people of all genders, all HIV exposure types, including even injection drug use. You know, I think the downside of TDF-FTC is it, ha- it has been associated with some of these decreased bone mineral density. Uh, even in the Discover study, if you look at those patients who were younger, there is a, a bone mineral density difference compared to TAF-FTC. Uh, but for people with impaired renal function, you know, TDF-FTC isn't recommended for people with clearances less than 60, although I would argue that if it's a younger population who's accessing PrEP, hopefully it would be, that would be less of an issue. But I think the challenge here is the issue with its antiviral activity against Hep B and the potential discontinuations that can cause reactivation of Hep B if you stop it, which can have some real serious consequences. That would be really one of the big downsides. So when it's used as dual therapy for HIV treatment, there is a concern that maybe you can undiagnose you could actually have resistant associated mutations with HIV. But I think many of you would argue who, are, who have done HIV care, even if you do have resistance to TDF or TDF-FTC, even if it was to both drugs in the worst case scenario, you still would have other very good oral treatment options for people, many of which would only involve maybe one to two pills, uh, uh, you know, for the most part. So again, you know, I don't want to minimize the resistance stuff. I also don't want to minimize the Hep B. Certainly don't want to minimize the renal issues around TDF. But I think, you know, these are, um, there are certainly other other drugs that are out there that are over the counter that potentially cause more problems. I mean, I think about aspirin. I mean, this was years ago, the aspirin was approved, but think about the side effects you can potentially get for with aspirin. So clearly there's risks, right? And I'm not, I'm not comparing aspirin to TDF-FTC. There are make sure I'm clear on that, but you know, there's risks, right? With over-the-counter use, but um, for contraception, you know, the, the big um, people have just understand the, the benefits and, and outweigh the risks, you know, for OT status, just like they did with oral contraceptives. The authors also talk about even if people with undiagnosed HIV use TDF-FTC for PrEP and acquired drug mutations. Again, as I said, these first-line HIV treatments would still probably lead to viral suppression. So again, even if even if you're starting without initial labs and support HIV and, and it's provided supported supported HIV self-testing before the use of TDF-FTC for PrEP, um, the, the guidelines really could adopt similar. Uh, simplified approaches for implementing o- OTC prep, I think, in 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 a lot of these a lot of these places, and I think it's something we really need to think about. Is over the counter prep available anywhere in the U.S. currently? Yeah, so the OTC designation really specifically is a federal issue. However, some states allow um, what I would call it's kind of like collaborative practice agreements or something similar to that. But pharmacists sometimes, if they if they've obtained training on prep can be allowed to give like a one-month supply of PrEP, and in some states, even even post-exposure prophylaxis, so after an exposure. And I'll use California as the example. They have a law that allows this, and as long as the patient um, or they can provide evidence of a negative HIV test, they can provide 30 days of, of, of PrEP. So in addition, other states, New York State is one, allows pharmacists to prescribe under what we call these collaborative practice agreements where 
or collaborative protocols where a provider and a pharmacist enters into some kind of an agreement that, that they can prescribe basically under them and monitor therapy. So technically PrEP could be done in states that allow these agreements this way. Uh, but today, as far as the provision of over-the-counter PrEP, it's, it's not FDA approved and that would be an FDA decision. Um, there may be a case, um, this is actually an old story, but an old professor of ours used to talk in pharmacy about a third class of drugs. And, and so you'd have prescription drugs, over-the-counter drugs, and then basically you know, a third class of over-the-counter with some monitoring. And I think that's something that I think we have to think about as maybe another option for uh, for, for PrEP and some of these other, other interventions. We'll just have to see if it ever pans out. As we begin to wrap up, what else do providers need to know about over-the-counter PrEP? Yeah, so so maybe in the future we'll see over-the-counter PrEP and we can provide access to more people, hopefully. But although, I just really want to be very clear that this will be a big step. And, it, and if I'd ever want OTC, I think I, it would have to require some kind of training. And like, you know, even seeing doing trainings like we do with the ATC to really do training on the medications, making sure pharmacists are, are able to do it, making sure they understand the implications and, and some of the nuances of uh, of 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 having something like this over the counter, you know, guideline overviews, et cetera. So, so while this perspective piece is interesting, that was in the New England Journal, I'm not sure across every state and every pharmacy that everybody's ready to do this. Um, I certainly don't think so, because I think a lot of pharmacies and pharmacists may actually not even feel comfortable doing it, may not want to, and, and whether or not they're trained to do it, I think is a whole other topic. But I think it's another avenue that we have to think about when we're talking about ending the epidemic and doing all the work that we do for EHE, uh, providing PrEP besides the primary care and ID clinics, where else can we provide PrEP and pharmacies may be another option. And again, if PrEP was over the counter, this might be an, another way to do it and do it easily to, to provide additional access for patients. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about some of the highlights of this perspective piece on PrEP being over the counter. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's www.nekaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaaetc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaaetc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.